Hi, Pastor Steve here, and I'm really happy to join you today. And I've been given a fantastic passage of scripture to minister from, and I pray that we'll do justice to this because it has the power to release things of God's kingdom and power in our lives. And the passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul's been talking about how the cost of his work as an apostle and how he's treated in the world but how he is loved and appreciated in the church. And it's a beautiful thing. So starting from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, he says, I don't write these things about my apostleship to shame you, but as my beloved children, I want to warn you. For though you may have 10,000 of instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. It's like you're, you're my children through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy for you, like in advance, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in the churches. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. I'm not going to know them by what they say. I'm going to know them by the power that's in their life. For the kingdom of God is not in word or not in words, but in power. So what do you want? Paul says, shall I come to you with a rod of correction or in love and in a spirit of gentleness? Start to finish here bookmarking this whole idea. This whole thing is Paul saying so clearly to them, I've got a father's heart for you. And this is the important thing about if any of us, any church, any, any work of God wants to move in the power of the kingdom of God, it really needs to be beautifully fathered and guided by those who've got a father's heart for that work. Paul knew this so clearly. See, a father really, if you wanted to define what makes a father, and this is, this is um, a little bit sensitive, I suppose, in some way, but a father is a seed giver. And Paul understood he was the seed giver into this whole church. He went there. He was the one who God used to found this church on the power of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where God reigns. Kingdom means reign, and it's where God is reigning. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the reign of God. So the loving authority and example of a father's wisdom is on display here because he said in verse 15 and 16, he said, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ I have fathered you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. And Paul began to talk about the difference between only having words and having a dimension of power. When we think of the love of Paul for the church, it's a beautiful theme that passes through the New Testament where he speaks of the church. He speaks beautiful pictures, how he wants to present them to Christ as a beautiful and spotless bride. He talks about verses like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Don't you know that it's you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. 
Again, he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, You are the ones that I love and long for, my joy, my crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends, knowing that you are the glory of my life, that knowing that I can present you to Christ as a wonderful church. So he's talking as a loving father, but here's another interesting thing of his love for the church in 1 Thessalonians from chapter 2 and verse 7. He says, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So he's describing himself like both a father and a mother. He's got like this two-handed thing in his way that he's leading the church. It's like a father can bring a thing to life, but it's a mother who really nurtures and loves in that dimension. And he said, I'm like both of them. And <laughs> I think that's beautiful, really. Now, he wants to bring a kingdom which is greater than words. And this is what this passage is really about. We talked about kingdom. A kingdom is something bestowed, you know, from the story of the Last Supper. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I bestow on you a kingdom just as the Father has bestowed the kingdom on me. And it's given to us from God. And this kingdom is a kingdom of miraculous power. We read there in our text, for the kingdom of God is not in word alone, but in power. And the word used there for power is miraculous power. It is a miraculous power. And it's pushing back against the encroaching power of useless words that were around in those days in the nation of Greece. The Greeks were philosophers. They were embroiled in puffed up words. And Paul can see these puffed up words coming into the church even. that had really had the power to affect and disgrace the church. I can see that. It was a disgrace to Paul. When he came to Athens, which is the capital of the Greek, whole Greek empire, really, when he came to Athens, and you see the story in Acts chapter 17, and in verse 18 it says, there were Epicureans and Stoic philosophers who were there. And Paul spoke to them. Who were these Epicureans? Well, they were attached to the teachings of Epicurus from 300 years BC. And Epicurus was one who was uh, leading them into the worship of nature. They were uh, basically worshippers of nature, of lust and sensuality. So that's basically where the Epicureans were at. And they had these people who were full-time philosophers there in, in Athens. Not only them, they had the Stoics. And the Stoics were followers of a Greek god called Stoa. And they are universalists and they believe that God was in everything. God's in the mountains and the trees and, he's, and he exists in all of these forms that we see. God existing in all things. But they also were full of lust and immorality. And so here is Paul pushing back against them. He said, actually, I see that you are in all things very religious. Isn't that interesting that he, he found this point that they were religious, but they were philosophizing things that were anti, completely anti the power of the kingdom of God. These people just literally spent their full time uh, lives sitting around philosophizing uh, around these teachings and the people of Greece were holding on to it. Now, only 70 kilometers away from Athens is the ancient city of Corinth. I've been there and I've seen there these great, these great mountains of evil, deceit and lust that were demonstrated. Literally behind the city of ancient Corinth was a mountain which was nothing but dedicated to complete sinful uh, sexual lust and desire. And in this 
comes form of philosophy that's wanting to invade the church, wanting to question whether, you know, why can't we have it both? Why can't we be in both? Why can't we just layer this message of the gospel into the normal life that everyone else had? You know, and and it's a very tempting thing. The same potential can infiltrate the church at any time when we allow. And, and, And I tell you what, as a father and a nursing mother, Paul wasn't going to allow it. He didn't want them sliding back into this. And he said, I'm, I'm going to check out these guys who are getting puffed up with their philosophies and teaching because I want you to be filled with the kingdom of power. The word is dynamite when it says power. The kingdom of God is in power. Dynamite is speaking about miraculous power. And that's the what Paul identifies as the empowerment of the church, of the body of Christ. It's when the kingdom comes among the church, dynamite. It's the same word that he used in that marvellous passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, around the time that he first came to them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what he said, reading from verse 1 through verse 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. I didn't come like a philosopher. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power, dunamai, miraculous power, that your faith should not rest upon the wisdom of men, but in the dunamai, in the power, miraculous power of God. Isn't this fantastic? It's an absolute opposite from what was happening around them. For what he could see was wanting to infiltrate the church. It was so different from this vain philosophy. He's making a great point here to say, I didn't carry any of that. I I deliberately only wanted to speak about Christ and declare to you and show you and manifest the demonstration of the spirit and power. Correcting the course was what this was about. Exactly what he, what he even said to the Galatians. You foolish Galatians, you know, you've begun in the spirit and now you're going off thinking you can be made perfect through the flesh. It's just not going to happen that way. And he really corrected them as well. He said to Timothy, uh, and we'll finish on this, but he said, Timothy, know this, Tim- 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5, he says, Know this, Timothy, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof two words he used here having a form of godliness but denying the power of it denying ernamoi it's contradicting he said your life is a their life is a contradiction it's an absolute contradiction against the life of godliness and what is true godliness denying the power of it Denying the dunamin, the miraculous power of this kingdom. So, you know, people will think they're right with God. And, oh, yeah, I'm right. You know, I'm, I'm all right. But I also believe this and I also believe that. 
He said, you know what you are? You're a contradiction. That's pretty strong. Now, the kingdom of God and miraculous power. This is where we need it to get to. I'm really blessed to see that the Apostle Paul made it the point above everything that the kingdom of God doesn't demonstrate itself just through words. The kingdom of God where God reigns is demonstrated also in power and it's power on so many levels and we haven't got time to go through that. The power to bring righteousness you know, through the spirit um, where he brings us into places of sanctification and these wonderful things. I'll just focus on the power in the way that Paul was speaking of it, which was demonstrated through the miraculous work of God around him. And there's so many promises about this power. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And he said, because I go to the Father, he's speaking about the coming of the Spirit and the power to do the same works of Christ. And there's tremendous promises here. I remember in a city in Belarus, people get embarrassed at the name of it. It's a city called Brest, B-R-E-S-T. I remember a daughter of a KGB official in that city of Brest came to the church blind. At the end of the service, God opened her eyes. She ran around that building reading the clock, seeing the faces of people that she hadn't seen for many, many years and such an outbreak. Then doctors from the city of Brest were coming and standing right next to me every time I preached and prayed for people and one of them was being a nuisance and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I am studying your psychotherapy. <laughs> now, I'm not a smart man. I'd be like Paul and say, I came with you in weakness and... <laughs> I'm not a smart man, but I do know what the power of God is. <laughs> and so they thought psychotherapy was doing these, these miraculous things to poor people. I remember in Poland, a woman with thyroid cancer. And uh, God showed me her before the service. I saw her so clearly. I said to my friend, John Kolosinski, who went with me, I said, there'll be a woman in the service tonight. I explained the dress that she would have on. And I said, she, uh, she has a yellow dress on. She has thyroid cancer. Jesus is going to heal her. Anyway... I stood up to preach and there she was exactly where I had seen her in this little building of a new church. The power of God hit that woman after the service. And the, and the pastor told me afterwards um, she had thyroid cancer. It couldn't be operated because it had it sort of tangled, entangled itself with her spinal column. A week later, she came back with the x-rays, no cancer in her body. And as you can understand from that, her family, those around her were then led to Christ. It was a tremendous story whether it's in alexandria in egypt or whether it's in the philippines or vanuatu or in turkey or even out in burke last week when i had a few young people come into the sunday night service completely unsaved found christ as their savior and within seconds of asking him into their life suddenly they burst into new tongues that came out flooding out of them like a river and and you couldn't see a dry eye amongst the people because of the outpouring of the holy spirit among them this is a miraculous kingdom. Don't limit God. Don't put God into a framework of your own thoughts and say, that's how big God is. We're never called to that. That's not how the kingdom works. We have a miraculous God. We have a God who wants to fill us and touch us and reach to us. A couple of the promises, of course, Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Behold, I send you the promise of the Father. So stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, 
you shall receive power, dunamis, the same dynamic, miraculous power. You will receive this power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what we're looking for. This is what we need. This is why we see churches springing up. Why we see what Pastor, Pastor Paul has seen, what Pastor Dave has seen, Dave McPherson, they've come, they've been part of, and Pastor Dave has a tremendous gift in this as well. And Pastor Paul, and what we've seen happen, new churches springing up, people coming to Christ, and it's still happening, if, if, not, if not actually more than ever. We just sent a casual message to the Philippines yesterday, Monday, and that same day, Monday, they just had another baptism, another 32 people who'd got saved on the weekend and were baptised. See, this is a miraculous kingdom. This is setting people free by the power of God. And this is where I finish. It started with the Father's heart, how Paul's Father's heart for them wanted to bring them into the fullness of a kingdom that's amazing. And I think it's like that with the Spirit of God who brings the power of God among us. We see uh, Peter when he was called to the house of Cornelius. It was illegal for a Jew to go into the house of a Gentile. He went there because God had spoken that amazing vision to him. He went there and the Bible says, and as he spoke to them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it says, and they were heard to speak with other tongues and the, and the whole household was saved. And that's fantastic. But why have I said about a father? When it says the Holy Spirit fell upon them, it uses a beautiful Greek word, epipipto which talks about a loving embrace. And it's the same word that Jesus used in his parable when he spoke about the, the prodigal son who'd gone right away from his father's house. And the Bible says when, when he'd lost everything, he smelt like a pigsty. He said in his heart, I'll go back to my father's house and be a servant in my father's house. And the Bible says the father was looking for him and he saw him a long way off and he ran to him and fell upon him and kissed him. He fell upon him. Epipipto. Same word as when the Holy Spirit. And, and it uses that description for the father, this embrace of the father to welcome him in, put a ring on his finger, made a feast for him, made him part of the family again, beyond anything he could have ever dreamed. And now here are these Gentiles of, a, of an Italian father who were way outside and the Holy Spirit came upon them and embraced them exactly like that father in the story of the prodigal son. I'll tell you what this is. This power is the embrace of a father who loves you, who wants to pour his spirit into your life and to fill you and that the kingdom demonstrated through us, among us, is a kingdom of miraculous power. God bless you.